0: Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Adam Kastor, and I'm here with my co-host, Ed
1: Birdsall as
0: always. Mr. Burtzall, how was your weekend?
1: Adam, it was a uh, fantastic weekend. Uh, A lot of fun activities, gotta gotta say. Sitting around doing nothing was uh, quite spectacular. Uh, And then our Sunday was rainy, so that was more of a formula to go ahead and sit around and do nothing. So it was a very productive weekend on many many fronts. Yeah, I think. How was your weekend, Adam? How was uh, how was life at WFAN, New York's number one sports radio station?
0: Uh, it was nice. Innocent I- plug,
1: no free advertising.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, it was fun. I basically did the exact opposite of you. I went into work on Saturday and Sunday, so uh, covering the uh, getting highlights from the Mets and the Yankees who were playing over the weekend. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty fun, you know, interesting stuff that was going on, listening to a lot of radio,
1: and uh, ready to talk about quarterbacks. Excited. Yeah, it's the first of the, uh, the position previews. I'm, uh, and, and really, with the way that we're breaking this up and doing the running backs with two parts and the receivers with two parts, if you really think about it, we have quarterbacks today. We have part one of running backs later in the week part two of running backs next week, part one of receivers, then part two of receivers and tight ends. And then after that, it's the week of the regular season. Yep. Good planning. So so then, yeah, so then we'll be talking about uh, lineup decisions and and week one matchups and things like that. So we're just kind of chugging right along here. Yes, we definitely are. But first, before we go into news and notes, my one quick
0: question for you, is how was your draft
1: ah, on Friday? That's the, uh, the million-dollar question, is it? Um, it was very interesting. Uh, you know, I got to say, because um, there were a lot of things that happened in the draft that I was a little bit surprised by, and I think as we uh, go on with talking about the position previews, we'll get into that more, and it's, it's nice that I actually have some useful draft data and, and observations that I was able to take away Uh, from my actual, my first draft of the year and be able to apply it to the show and see how people are thinking when they're in a real live draft. So um, I want to read off my team, Adam, and I want you to give me just a basic letter grade and then I'll tell you what I think my letter grade is for this team. Okay? Okay. So. As you know, I had the number one overall pick, and I, I did take Christian McCaffrey. Okay. My two keepers for this league, this is a keeper league, mm-hmm. were Allen Robinson and DK Metcalf. I was able to swing a trade late last week to not keep Ronald Jones, and then to keep DK Metcalf, and I only gave up an eighth round pick for him. So, it wasn't too bad. Okay. My problem, though, was rounds six, round seven, round eight, I had no picks. So I was on my smoke break, but, but I want to give you, I want, I want you to give me a very honest letter grade for this team, okay? Okay, you got it. All right. So this is standard roster size. Just to starting, you're starting three receivers in this league. Okay. So everything is what it, everything is standard except for the extra receiver spot. All right. Is it full or half point PPR? Full point PPR. Okay. We got. Ben Roethlisberger, Christian McCaffrey, David Johnson, Amari Cooper, Allen Robinson, DK Metcalf, Evan Ingram, Mark Ingram, Bears D, Harrison Butker, James Conner, Jameson Crowder, Aaron Rodgers, Keyshawn Vaughn, Justin Jackson, Michael Pittman, and TJ Hawkinson.
0: Honestly, I would give that a, like a B. That's exactly what I gave it. That is a really, really solid draft. Thank I you. think that, I mean, obviously the one question mark for me would be David Johnson. As yes. like the, the thing that popped in my head. But you have good depth here with, your, like Aaron Rodgers is your backup quarterback. Like that's, per, that's solid. You, I well, can't, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll finish your thought. I mean, backup in name only. Because yes. just the way that your roster is, uh, is structured at the moment. And I like the receivers that you picked up. And I, I don't know, I'm not crazy about Evan Ingram, but the way that you picked up TJ Hawkinson, who has more upside
1: is a solid way to kind of offset that risk. Well, I can tell you what I did. I did a couple things. So the second round, I had a real debate at the two, three turn between, it was between James Connor and Melvin Gordon. Those were the two best running backs that were there. I was originally going to go for Le'Veon Bell. That was my going to be my pick. Mm-hmm. But Le'Veon Bell went a pick before me. So I had a real decision to make between mm-hmm. James Conner and Melvin Gordon. And I said, you know what? There's something that says to me that it was just my own gut that said that Mike Tomlin has already said that James Conner is going to be the lead back there. Yeah, there's going to be sprinklings of of Benny Snell and Anthony McFarlane. Jalen Samuels is no lock to even make the team in general. So James Conner is going to get every opportunity in the world to succeed. He's playing for a brand spanking new contract. So that absolutely helps. And I said, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll go for it. And I just better make sure that I have some other running backs that I can lean on. So I did take James Conner. And then I took Amari Cooper at the turn as well. And then we get to the next round of picks, the four or five turn pick before me again, was Cortland Sutton, who I was going to take. And I really was stuck in a bit of a grind because I didn't know what to do. Cause I really want I really wanted to go receiver before I was sitting out for six, seven, eight of no picks, and there was no real receivers there. The only receiver that I thought I could have I could have really gone for was Jarvis Landry. But no. I didn't have him like at that four five range. So I looked at what other values were there. And I saw Mark Ingram, and I saw David Johnson there. And I also saw there were a ton of teams that needed running backs. And those were really, if you're talking about the end of, like, the tier two-ish running backs, those were the guys that were basically at the end of that tier that needed to go. So I said, you know what? I wanted someone to back up uh, James Conner. There are no real receivers here. I'll just end up taking both. So I started out my draft. With keeping Allen Robinson, keeping DK Metcalf, and taking Christian McCaffrey, James Conner, Amari Cooper, Mark Ingram, and David Johnson. David Johnson, I wanted no part of, but I just thought the value there in the fifth round, the start of the fifth round, was excellent. So I said, you know what, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll take that that risk. And then something else that I ended up doing, I did take um, your Evan Ingram um, gripe yeah. with that pick. I didn't want to take him, but I got him in the 10th round. Yeah. I got him in the 10th round, and he was my – at that time, he was my only tight end. So I said, you know what, I'll go ahead and I'll take him. You know, what the hell? I took him over. I believe I took him over – no, Hunter Henry was gone. So I I didn't take him over Hunter Henry. Um, And then what I ended up doing, and I want to get your thoughts on this, was I was sitting on the board in the 14th round, So I got the 14-15 turn, and I knew I wanted to get TJ Hawkinson. I I knew I did. But I said, in a keeper league, I said, you know, I'm talking two and a half years of better value if TJ Hawkinson pans out, where I know I can get TJ Hawkinson in the 17th round. I just need to start a run on something. So I took Harrison Butker in the 14th round. Damn. I took Harrison Butker in the 14th round to the entire room laughing at me for doing it and I started a run because the next after I picked we had one more pick and then the following pick was when the kickers and the defenses started flying and I was just just sitting there I'm just like yes 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 and then it got to me and I ended up picking the Bears defense they're playing the Lions week one and then I ended up getting TJ Hawkinson for a a 17th round pick and my my overall strategy worked, so I mean, yeah, go ahead and take a kicker in the fourteenth round because you know you know you're starting to run. If you know someone finally picks a kicker, it's like you know you're finally breaking the ice, and yeah. that's when they're all going to start to just just fly. But overall, yeah, Adam, I agree. I gave my team a a B plus. There is one more team though that I want to talk about because this team was. The team of the draft, in my opinion, for all the right and all the wrong reasons, I want, I want to get your gauge on this team because I think – I'll tell you after. I'll tell you after. I just – I want to hear your initial my one
0: My one question for this. Go ahead. My one quick question. But I'm um, – yeah, whatever. Um, is that – is the, the person that owns this team, do they listen to the podcast?
1: Yes, they do. Okay. Yes, they do. Oh, and by the way, I am still living. Clyde Edwards-Alaire did go in the first round. Oh, my God. Sixth overall.
0: Well, good, good that you're still living because I didn't hold any interviews for co hosts
1: <laughs> So, this team, I, 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 I'll read it off. You tell me what you think. So, this team kept Dak Prescott and Chris Carson. Okay. He went James White, Chris Carson. Dak Prescott, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, Hayden Hurst, Tyler Lockett, Eagles defense, Greg Zerline, Kareem Hunt, Latavius Murray, Anthony Miller, Joe Burrow, Duke Johnson, Preston Williams, and Blake Jarwin. That is the all risk-taking
0: fantasy football team of 2020. Really? You think so? Well, a lot of these players, a lot of the players, the wide receivers I love. They're great.
1: Everything, I mean, the, the top three that he has was it Devontae? Even Lockett's fine. Even Lockett's yeah. fine. He got him, he got Lockett in the, in the fourth round. That's fine. And
0: I, I mean, Dak Prescott also is a, is a good, is a pretty safe pick to do, to do well this year. Yeah. But like the, the bench is, a lot of it
1: is like, are these players going to pan out sort of thing? Sort of well, things. I mean, you could you can go ahead and draft shallow. You just got to be very active on the waiver wire. And I, the main takeaway is, I, I love that team. It's a good Me team personally. It is a good Me team personally. I loved it, and I think that with with the owner being very invested and being on top of the waiver wire, if there's a stud running back that comes off the waiver wire and he gets him, team's a powerhouse. Yeah, team's a powerhouse. He needs he needs one running back for that team to be unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Pending, the- of course, there are no injuries or performance-related issues with guys like Odell or Tyler Lockett or, or you know, whomever. It's a great team. I, yeah. I personally, I loved
0: it. Or either the all-risk-taking team or the bounce-back team of 2020, basically.
1: Well, I mean, he started his draft, Devontae, Julio, and Odell. and, and you know, zero, zero RB, outside of, you know, Chris Carson being kept. A bold strategy, but you know, that that really is the ultimate fantasy play. When you're not when you're like us, we're so invested in the analytics and you know, spitting back and forth and the numbers and all that, that with someone that maybe isn't heavily invested and talks about fantasy like we do, they're just seeing guys that are best the best available, and they're just being like, Well, I'll figure it out later. And it's 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 a fine strategy, you know. If you can we'll talk about it, we get to the RB uh preview. It's a strategy that can work if you take if you take the right guys. So we'll have yeah. to uh, we'll have to wait and see. And if hell, if James White is the number one running back in New England with Sonny Michel looking like he could be out eight weeks, you know, with the pup and Lamar Miller is not up to speed, it could be James White being the lead running back in New England. Yeah. It's so, it's a gambler it's a gamblers
0: team. I think I was reading, you know, Matthew Berry of ESPN he puts out uh like a draft day manifesto every single year i'm sure you you know about that yes mm-hmm. and he was and every year people ask him like what's the secret to fantasy football and he's like well the secret is is that you have to mi- is minimizing risk on a week to week basis and i mean that's what we talk about on this show as well like all the time that it's all about minimizing risk this team personally aside from the
1: quarterback and wide receivers this team would keep me up at night with anxiety dreams. I agree. I agree. But you have, you have two of the safest receivers in fantasy with Devontae Adams and Julio Jones. You have one of the biggest bounce back candidates in fantasy with Odell Beckham. You have one of the safest quarterbacks in fantasy with Dak Prescott, whose ceiling is he could finish as number one quarterback. And I don't think anybody would be really surprised given, you know, who his head coach is now, Mike McCarthy. And his, well, I'd be surprised i finished, wouldn't be surprised did he finish above patrick mahomes and lamar jackson i wouldn't be surprised nothing would surprise me with a mike mccarthy quarterback no, nothing nothing would surprise me i think he's a lock for, to finish top five i mean can yes. he finish can he finish his number one quarterback absolutely he can um so yeah i really i really did like that team this one quick question turned into uh a 10 minute opening segment so uh yeah let's get some news and notes and we can uh we can crack on with the quarterbacks, baby. Yeah. So the uh, big piece of news and notes that
0: I think is really great, just it's nice to talk about something that's really happy and uplifting. Alex Smith is off the pup. He's walking. Well, he's been walking for a while, but he's been cleared for football activities after, after that gruesome knee injury, leg injury that ended Joe Theismann's career. Yep. And it, it's just great to hear for Washington I don't know if he's well he's not going to get his uh, job back he's basically been wally pipped by Dwayne Haskins but I think that if he can get another opportunity to start in the league I think more more power to him
1: because I even even think he's a great guy you can just have in the room
0: you know as a
1: mentor yeah absolutely to out to uh, Dwayne Haskins who we all know definitely uh, needs one and Adam, you you, you nailed it when you said, uh, you know, really big ups to Alex Smith in the last uh, 15, 18 months of Alex Smith's life has just been trials, tribulations, and just, you know, walk through hell, you know, pretty much. And the fact that he's been able to uh, recover like he has and not give up on his dream to one day, you know, come back and play football again, whether it is going to be for Washington or for whomever. Is is amazing, and uh, you know, big congratulations to uh, to Alex Smith, and hopefully we will get to see him on the NFL field one more time, where he gets to uh, finish off his really, really, really solid NFL career in style. Yeah,
0: I mean, this is a guy that made the made an NFC champ. Basically, is he was a knee away from going to a Super Bowl in no. 2011. Mm-hmm. Like a punt return away from going to a Super Bowl, and then he got uh, usurped by Colin Kaepernick in 2012 when they went to the Super Bowl, and then um, was great in Kansas City. Yes, he was really serviceable in Kansas City, great in Kansas City, and then he was traded to Washington. I just can't even imagine like the scenario that he was going through, where he's worried not about whether he can come back, but whether or not he can keep his leg after something like that.
1: Yeah like I mean there was a, there was there was, a, there was a point where you know initially after um, the injury occurred where there was even a question of whether Alex Smith was even going to live yeah let alone you know keep his leg or you know potentially come back and play football so the fact that we went from maybe he was going to live to maybe he was going to keep his leg maybe he was going to play football again to all those things being answered with an emphatic yes Congratulations, Alex Smith! Amazing, and definitely in a time where we could definitely use some good news in our uh, everyday, day-to-day lives. Uh, congratulations, Alex Smith.
0: Well, it's really also before we move on to the other stories that we have is it's really a testament. It's a big testament to modern medicine that he was able that this was able to happen because Joe Thisman, like you said, this injury that he, that Smith suffered was worse than the one that he suffered. And this, and Joe Theismann, when he was playing, this is when knee injuries weren't as common, or they were common, but they were more career enders as opposed to season enders. Right. Where the the ACL surgery wasn't as refined. It's kind of the, the same thing as like Tommy John surgery for baseball, where if you tore your your UCL in your elbow, that was like it for you. You were done, and then. Uh, the Tom, and then Tommy John surgery was was pioneered, and it's a more recoverable injury, yeah. and so yeah, great for Alex Smith to uh, come back and hopefully he'll get a chance to play in the NFL again. Uh, the second bit of news and notes is oh god, we're going right down the roller coaster here, literally. Uh, Gerald McCoy is out is is out for the season. With a ruptured quad, uh, he was going to be a big piece of this of the Cowboys' defensive line. But on the bright side, the Cowboys did sign Everson Griffin, which helps. He does not play nose tackle; he plays defensive end or edge rusher. But
1: uh, yeah, uh, it's not not great. And then another piece of Cowboys news: uh, Des Bryant. Yeah, working out with uh, with the Ravens potentially. That would be something. Yes, that would be something.
0: I um, guess he's recovered from his, uh, from his injury, his rupture. What did he rupture his Achilles?
1: Rupture his Achilles, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously it sucks for, for Gerald McCoy. I mean, there were big, big hopes for him uh, coming to Dallas. He'd be on a team that was really ready to compete for, for Super Bowl this year. And the good news for Dallas is that they do have a pretty loaded Defensive line, Tyron Crawford is now pretty much guaranteed to be a starter on that defensive line next to, odds are, it's probably going to be Don Terry Poe. Then you have DeMarcus Lawrence. And now you have uh, Everson Griffin, who just signed out of the blue. And one of the big things that Everson Griffin brings to the table is this is a guy, it's a proven pass rusher, that's going to go right next to, to DeMarcus Lawrence. And we saw what happened last year when Dallas took a chance on a defensive end with really high upside in Robert Quinn. He turned that into a over 11 and a half sack season and turned that into a big time five year, uh, 50, whatever million dollar contract with the Chicago bears. So this is kind of the same thing that Dallas is doing. It's just adding another piece to that defensive line. And a lot of people were saying, Oh, but you could have went and just signed a Debbie Clowney, blah, 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 blah. Jadavion Clowney is still holding out for $17 million a year. He's not getting that right now. So at the end of the day, you're, you know, you're talking about – you're giving Everson Griffin $6 million potentially. That's not bad. That's not bad for a guy that – he's a leader. He's a guy that is playing still at a very, very, very elite level in the National Football League. And you're bringing him in to be the number two pass rusher – to DeMarcus Lawrence, and you're putting them on opposite sides of the line, good luck to opposing offensive lines to try and keep that uh, together. And as for Des Bryant, it's interesting for sure that, you know, they're talking about him going to, uh, to Baltimore with, uh, with Lamar Jackson. I mean, they, they could use a big body receiver there. And, you know, outside of Mark Andrews, who, of course, is the number one red zone target for uh, Lamar Jackson at tight, tight end position, They could go ahead and use a a big-bodied receiver on the outside, and Dez Bryant, a guy that has proven pedigree, a guy that has proven to be one of the top receivers on his day in the National Football League, he could be a good fit in Baltimore. Now, I understand that you know there was a sharp decline for Dez when when Dak took over and then he went to New Orleans and ruptured his Achilles. Maybe this could be the fresh start that Dez Bryant needs, playing with arguably the most hot, quarterback prospect in the national football league in Lawrence Jackson. So um, yeah, well, definitely have to keep an eye out for, uh, for that one.
0: Yep. And
1: uh,
0: actually, so you're thinking about drafting Melvin Gordon and it reminded me of a thing I was reading yesterday talking about how Melvin Gordon, he was talking about training in Denver with the altitude. He's like, I'm still not used to it where he's like, I still feel out of shape with the the altitude. Yeah. But it's a big adjustment. They were saying, he was like, my teammates say that uh, when you go to play at other places, you do, you never get tired, which is actually pretty cool. It's like a superpower that you have. Yeah. It's like, a, well, you've never watched Dragon Ball, but it's like they wore like weighted training clothes. So when they took off, yeah, I know, right? Right over your head. Right over my head. But anyway, they wore ra- weighted training clothes. So... And it was like very, very heavy, and they would walk around with that and, and fight in it. So when they took the weighted training clothes off, then uh, it would be a lot stronger because they would feel a lot lighter and faster. So it's kind of the same sort of thing. Obviously, you don't get that reference, but no. maybe somebody does. Again. Whew. Yeah. If you do get the reference, you get that it's, a, it's comparable. But uh, the last thing we we want to talk about before we move on to the quarterbacks here is that Chris Hogan, noted Huntington resident Woo! Chris Hogan, is has signed with the New York Jets and he is now on his fourth AFC East team. Four out of four, he's played for all of them. That's crazy. He's covering there, his bases. Yes, only Ryan Fitzpatrick now has to play. Ryan Fitzpatrick has to play for New England, and then he will have played for all four AFC's
1: teams. I think Chris Hogan just really wanted to try and trump Ryan Fitzpatrick there to say that he beat Ryan Fitzpatrick to playing for all four of the AFC's teams before Ryan Fitzpatrick did.
0: Yeah, Uh, this is a good depth signing for the Jets. Oh, uh, sure. Because with the injuries, even in training camp, uh, Denzel Mims uh, went down a little bit. Uh, I think Prashad Perryman also had had something uh, going on.
1: What else is new?
0: Shocker! The Jets need depth at receiver. They they don't have a lot of it, especially since uh, Quincy Enunwa was no longer on the team as well.
1: So, yeah. did you see the uh, touchdown that Sam Darnold threw to Prashad Perryman in practice today? Yes.
0: It's well, really nice. It was really, very else. nice throw. Maybe it was somebody, another receiver that I'm thinking of. I don't think Prashad Perriman was injured.
1: Who the hell was it? it was, I know it was Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims was, was definitely one. I just can't, th- I can't think of the other off the top of my head.
0: Either way, um, yeah, the Jets need depth at wide receiver. Uh, this, is, this is good. Chris Hogan ha- is a, has experience and is able to kind of add some veteran, veteranosity to this locker
1: room. Where, veteranosity. Wow, yeah. that's, a, that's a word. It is a word. I don't think it is, is that a word. An, is that an SAT word? No. I don't think it is oh, a word. It wasn't a receiver. Who was it? Frank Gore. Frank Gore. Oh. Well. Frank Gore, Frank Gore and Pierre Desir. Oh. Uh, yeah.
0: Speaking of positions that we need to, that we need more players in, corner. <laughs> Terrific. Hey, could be worse. It could be Tremaine Johnson. Oh, uh, yeah. He's not even on the team anymore. I know. No. Um, yeah. So this is this is a player that can get that can bring veteranosity, if that's even a word, to the Jets, where he's he has playoff experience, re- regular season regular season experience comes from a winning culture, and uh, maybe under the table gives Adam Gaze the Patriots playbook.
1: Hey, Adam. If veteran if veteranosity wasn't a word before, it is one now. They yeah. should put that in the SAT.
0: Yeah. Only a, only a few amount of play, of uh, test takers would actually be able to uh, spell that and actually give a definition for what it is. But it, I'll make it a word. Just you wait.
1: You could send your application to Webster's.
0: I'm on, the, I'm on hold with the Oxford's English Dictionary right now. All right. So main topic of the podcast, as we have kind of teased it going in, is our quarterback show our positional previews mini series we just previewed all the divisions but now we're going to the position by position starting off with quarterbacks this is going to be a lot more open-ended than previously not a lot of us shout like talking numbers at you and a lot more open-ended free-form discussion about it's more theory based than stat based i mean there's definitely gonna be stats of course talked about but it is more theory As far as drafting and uh, things of that nature so starting off uh, we could talk about you know there's this great website fantasy pros that bird loves so much and i and i like it too that has a a phenomenal ranking system that puts all the quarterbacks in tiers so it works out makes it easier for us to talk about them when the quarterbacks are in tiers and usually it's like tiers of five or ten Uh, so what do you what do you want to go with first
1: uh we could just start with the uh with the first tier and talk about the guys that are in tier one and then go to tier two then tier three and then if it's worth talking about tier four we talk about tier four well actually
0: the the, um the thing i want to ask you before is what is your theory on drafting quarterbacks what's your what's your kind of strategy strategy yes
1: so i'm putting the word in your head there adam See, this is this is a very interesting one because I didn't really have the opportunity to see how quarterbacks were being drafted, especially the top ones in my draft on Friday, just because Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott were all kept. I can tell you that uh, Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson were both taken in, the, in round five. That was kind of when the first quarterback started coming off the board. So my theory my strategy for for quarterbacks is is pretty simple and that is I'm not taking one of the top guys I think that it's just too rich to go ahead and take a Patrick Mahomes or a Lamar Jackson in the third round where where they're going I mean I just want to check uh fantasy football calculator just to see where their ADPs are right now uh so they are going in a 10 team draft Patrick Mahomes is going at the 2-8. Lamar Jackson is going at the 3-1. That's just that's way too rich for my blood to want to go and invest in those guys. And when I was doing my rankings there are about 24 quarterbacks that I believe in my rankings when I did them that I said I can win a fantasy championship with if if I draft right. And it's the same that I think for, for all of you listeners. I feel like that if you draft your teams right and you go and, as Adam said before, you minimize your week-to-week, week-to-week risk, you can take a real cheap flyer on a quarterback and you don't need to go and spend a second or a third-round pick on Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. It just, it, it just doesn't make a ton of sense to, to go ahead and do it. When you could be going and spending that high draft capital on running backs or receivers, you know, it it really doesn't make a ton of sense. Or if you don't like any of the running backs, the receivers that are there and Travis Kelsey's there or George Kittle, you take one of the tight ends. Yep. It's funny. I'm looking at these at some of the tier four
0: uh, quarterbacks. And some of these are definitely worth waiting for with the upside that they have. You look at like Drew Locke, uh, Phillip Rivers, Teddy Bridgewater, you know, fingers crossed Sam Darnold has a big year. Sure.
1: So I, I'm pretty sure Sam Darnold was one, was one of the guys that I had written down as someone I could win the league with. I'm pretty sure he was. So let's start off with tier one
0: and talk about uh, sleepers, busts, that sort of thing. So, tier one, according to this website, it, there are five players here Patrick Mahomes is number one, Lamar Jackson. Gack Prescott, Russell Wilson, and Kyler Murray. I'll tell you what, picking a bust out of this group is going to be is like is so hard.
1: It's like unbelievably hard. Yeah, I don't think there's a bust in that group. I don't I don't I would say the guy that probably has the most downside of that group is probably Lamar Jackson just because he puts himself at more of a risk to potentially get hurt more than anybody else. I guess you could say the same thing about Kyler because of how they are, they're quarterbacks that have the tendency to want to use their feet and, you know, make plays outside of the pocket. Um, as far as a sleeper for that, uh, that group goes, I mean, I said it before, I think Dak Prescott can be the uh, number one quarterback, but I'm going with Russell Wilson. I mean, people sleep on Russell Wilson every single year. It's frankly and- Horrifying. It's, it's, a porn. yeah, it's, it's terrible that Russell Wilson just gets slept on every single year and he delivers really solid fantasy years every single year. So I guess you could say that Russell Wilson is a sleeper with within that group and a breakout. I mean, there's really no breakout. I mean, Kyler, Kyler Murray, Murray, Kyler yeah. Murray, I guess is like the only one that would be considered as a breakout, but um you know, there, there's a lot of upside and downside with with Kyler Murray. Obviously, the whole acclamation process between him and DeAndre Hopkins is going to be a big factor in deciding, you know, what Kyler Murray's fantasy value is going to be for 2020. But I look at – I love Kyler. I mean, I have no problem with taking him in round six. But, again, it all goes back to the conversation that we just had about Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson going in rounds two and three. We now go and talk about Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, and Kyler Murray. Those guys are going in round six. So those are tier one quarterbacks, those five according to fantasy pros, which I don't know if I would say that uh Dak, uh Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray are tier one quarterbacks. I think my tier would be Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and then a tier two would be Dak, Russell Wilson, Kyler. And I think I would put Deshaun Watson in that second tier, which I would assume Adam Deshaun Watson is in that second tier on fantasy pros, right? I would assume. He sure
0: is. He's the number six
1: quarterback. Okay, Yeah. So yes. it, really, it really just depends on, you know, how you want to break up your tiers. I mean, for me, it would be the two Mahomes, Jackson, then the, then the four, uh, Dak, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson. But, yeah, I mean, I think all those guys are, fanta- are fantastic. It really just depends on – and again – your QB strategy, and I'll ask you, Adam, about your QB strategy in a second. Um, but you're talking a three, four round difference for Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, as opposed to Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. You know, it it just doesn't make sense for me. Where if you're if you're looking to go get one of those top guys, that's fine. You know, you can go ahead and do that. But you need to understand that there are going to be holes in your roster. Where if you want to wait for a quarterback and then round six, take one of those guys, you can get equal production from them, if not, if not maybe better production and there not be as much risk. Whereas if something happens to Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, odds are that's sinking your team. Yeah. Unless you really hit on every other pick and even your late round picks. You need you need to really hit. Whereas, you know, you're taking a six-round quarterback there's less risk involved and you're kind of just putting the cherry on top of your team with having an elite quarterback. And again, I think I've mentioned this before as well. The difference in QB one to the QB 12, we're talking about 20, 30 points. It's not the same as a position that's a scarce, something like tight end where having a tight, an elite tight end like Travis Kelsey, George Kittle is such an advantage as opposed to having a guy like Jared Cook or um, – give me a late-round tight end, uh, a Jared Cook, an Austin Hooper for this year, a – Hayden Hurst? Hayden Hurst, a Blake Jarwin, a Greg Olson. You know, there's going to be – yeah, there's going to be a big difference in those top two tight ends. Versus the rest. Whereas with quarterback, I don't know the real clear disparity between those top two and potentially the 15th or 16th quarterbacks. We're only talking that maybe, maybe being 25, 30 points, maybe unless Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson come out. If Mahomes throws 50 touchdowns and Lamar Jackson has 35, 40 total touchdowns, then I mean, yeah, there's going to be a big, big, big difference. But again, you know, it really just comes down to uh, overall strategy. Uh, Adam, your uh, your overall quarterback strategy for drafting is blank. Well, I'm
0: going to say that to, I, I agree with your point about not really wanting to draft quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson so early, because I'm thinking of, if I was playing fantasy football, let's say in 2008, and you know, you're looking at, Tom Brady and if people were drafting him in the first or second round and then something like what happens, what happened to Tom Brady in 2008 happens, you're just like, well, I'm done. Cause it's like you wasted an early, you, you pick, you had an early round pick or an early pick and you picked a quarterback where and now, and now basically that pick is a void where there's nothing there. And you could have gotten somebody else. Uh, my strategy for drafting quarterbacks is it's very similar to yours where it's waiting for waiting for a lower tier guy because really quarterback is a deep position in it. And it's one of those things I'm not too I'm not in the sense where I'm waiting super long for for a, a quarterback. So like the 10th round, I'm not really waiting that long. but you know i could definitely wait until the 5th or 6th round or 7th round for a quarterback and i think most people are in that same mindset unless they're really keen on taking uh patrick mahomes or and lamar jackson within the first three rounds but i think that quarterbacks if something happens to your quarterback it's not it's it's more damaging because if you don't if you depending on where you pick them of course because if you pick a late if you're starting like a later round quarterback and you have a good team around you then it doesn't hurt as much if your quarterback goes down with an injury but if you drafted Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson in the first round or the second round and you basically passed on a top tier wide receiver or running back then you're just like well I guess I don't have like my team isn't isn't strong enough to overcome this injury or this this sort of, this what happened, this crisis, this catastrophe that happened.
1: So I just had a look at my, my draft board from Friday because I just wanted to get the number right. So before round 10, every team had at least one quarterback except for three. Just goes to show you that players are more willing to wait on quarterback then to go and draft one in the earlier rounds. And yeah, keepers are included and all that. I get that. But still, you're talking seven out of 10 teams had at least one quarterback before round 10. Three didn't. And then after round 10, it was only one. So you were still getting pretty good quarterbacks in round 10. I believe it was Josh Allen that went in round 10 and then Aaron Rodgers, who I took in round 10. And then I paired Aaron Rodgers with Ben Roethlisberger in round 12. So. You can get really, really good quarterbacks still in that in that range. I believe Drew Brees didn't go until the eleventh round, or something like that, which is which is incredible value for for a guy like Drew Brees, who at home he's he's a starter. It doesn't matter, you know, what the matchup is. If Drew Brees is playing in New Orleans, you start him. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it doesn't really matter, and you just find another quarterback. If you're taking a quarterback that late, you're taking another one just to pair him with your original starter, and, you know, you make it work. I believe – let me just check the uh, the this draft board again. Okay, so what this owner did that took Drew Brees was in the 17th round, he took Baker Mayfield. So a guy with clear and obvious upside versus a guy that has a very safe floor. I like that pairing a lot. And Drew Brees, you know, is going to give you very consistent numbers. And with Baker Mayfield, it's a wait and see. And if anything happens with those guys, you just cut them and you know, you don't you don't really take a real penalty for it. Whereas you're taking a guy like like any of these tier one guys that we're talking about, something happens to them, it's gonna sting a little bit. You know, if you if you're saying, Oh, I took Dak Prescott in the fifth or the sixth round, or if I took Patrick Mahomes in the second or third round, something happens to them, you know, you could have Really taking another core position instead of going for a quarterback. And if you don't have them, it's not looking like a a very, very good pick.
0: Yeah. Yep. Definitely. You need that foundation of uh, core players because if you have the foundation, then one injury is not going to sink your team. But Absolutely. if you overdraft, then one injury could uh, sink your team. All right. Moving on to tier two, uh, this is we have Deshaun Watson. Josh Allen, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, and Drew Brees. So, for sleeper to start off with sleeper, I think. Wow, Josh, I'm surprised that Josh Allen went as uh, as late as he did in uh, in your draft. Honestly, you say he went like the tw- like the twelfth round or the eleventh round or something like Tenth that. Tenth round. Tenth round. Tenth round. Hmm. So, yeah, that's a I mean that's a good spot for him. I think people are now kind of starting to realize that Josh Allen is can uh, can do a lot now with this Bills offense, especially since they uh went out and got Stephon Diggs in the offseason. We already know that Josh Allen does a lot with his legs. Um the the arm has to catch up to it, but as far as fantasy is concerned, that's that's good upside for for a quarterback like that. And I think that's, I mean, the reason that he's probably going later than people think is because people are kind of scared off by his arm, but really, you know, rushing guards count too. So you,
1: yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's interesting this group because there is a lot of risk. I think that comes with drafting with this group of, of quarterbacks. I think the only, I think the safest guy here, no question about it is Matt Ryan. Yeah. Matt Ryan is the safest bet of this group. No doubt about it. Deshaun Watson, he's a candidate to be a bust. I, I can tell you that right now, just because if you're looking at the receivers that he has to throw to, no more DeAndre Hopkins, you're looking at a crew of Brandon Cooks, Kenny Stills, Will Fuller, and Randall Cobb. You know, that's a motley crew of receivers. You look at Josh Allen, the the accuracy questions and whether or not Josh Allen is going to be a guy that will give you 25, 30 touchdowns. It's going to follow him his entire career. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. And you have to say – you have to be able to say that Josh Allen is a bust candidate. But I also think of Josh Allen is – he's a big-time breakout candidate. I really do. And if anything else, it just comes with his legs. I mean, this guy can run can run with the football. And if you're talking about his deficiencies as a passer – what if he gets to the one-yard line and he takes a keeper in for a touchdown? I mean, he's not going to get you the same rushing touchdowns that, that he had last year. I mean, last year, he was, it was, his rushing touchdowns were, were off the charts. I mean, nine touchdowns with his legs last year, eight in 2018. Josh Allen could very easily get you six touchdowns. And can he repeat the 20 touchdowns that he had last year? Potentially get more than he's got Stephon Diggs in tow? Absolutely he can. No doubt about it. So, yeah, Josh Allen, he does offer some severe, severe downside, but he's got a huge upside as well. And if I had to pick a sleeper out of this group, I mean, we talked about it before, it's Drew Brees. Yeah. Drew Brees is a guy that I think people are just really, really sleeping on. Given It's hard to think about Drew Brees as a sleeper because he's an established
0: right. quarterback. Right.
1: So, yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 it doesn't make sense to me how Drew Brees is falling late in drafts when people could just take him and start him at home. You know, you start, you start him when he's in New Orleans, and that's that. I mean, if you're getting Drew Brees in round 11, round 12, even round 10, good for you. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's great value. I mean, at the end of the day, I had the opportunity to go and take Drew Brees. I didn't do it just because I think Aaron Rodgers' schedule is very, very quarterback friendly. Versus Drew Brees, who's kind of a middle-of-the-road sort of schedule. So I decided to go for Aaron Rodgers instead. But I thought about Drew Brees. I I thought about taking him there. And at the end of the day, I just kind of said, you know what? I like Aaron Rodgers' schedule a little bit more than Drew Brees. So I took Aaron Rodgers. And I don't like Aaron Rodgers' matchup week one. He's going up against uh, the Vikings. But it's okay. I mean, I have Ben Roethlisberger who's going up against the Giants week one uh, on Monday night. So... At the, at the end of the day, it's just playing the game of deciding who you're going to start week in, week out. It's going to be a pain in the ass to do it, but it could pay up big dividend, big dividends for you. So, uh, yeah, Drew Brees, I would say, is my sleeper for this group. My breakout for this group is Josh Allen, and my bust for this group is also Josh Allen.
0: Yeah, I think my bust for this group is Carson Wentz, actually. And in my, my breakout is Josh Allen for a lot of the reasons that you – that you said, so I don't want to risk repeating anything that you said. That he cool. has a lot of upside.
1: Yeah, we'll go go a little further on uh, on Carson Wentz.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Carson Wentz is one of the is kind of frustrating, especially in fantasy where he he shows you flashes of potential, and he either gets injured or he has like performance issues, something along those lines. So, like you like Carson Wentz because of of like the the weapons that he has two amazing tight ends a a solid receiving core if they don't all get injured a number one running back but you just need to make sure that he stays healthy and that he stays consistent because that's just been the the hallmark of Carson Wentz's career where he's he's shown you glimmers he's been He's like, this is it. This is where we're going to see Carson Wentz at his full potential. And then he either gets injured or he uh, lays an egg the next week. Something along those lines, which is why I'm not really going near Carson Wentz if he's available to me in drafts.
1: I think it's a fair point all around. I I really, really do. I mean, Carson Wentz, he offers that upside, no doubt about it. But I just think that the floor with him is so not set that it's hard for anybody to really go and try and even figure out, you know, what's the best case scenario with Carson Wentz versus what's the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is that he gets hurt. He's out and he's not, he's just sitting on waiver wire. The best case scenario is probably that he finishes as a middle of the road QB one, because I just don't see him being a guy that's going to go, and bust through the glass ceiling. I, I just I, – I don't see that happening with Carson Wentz, given the lack of receiving options that are in Philadelphia. You don't know what this, the future of Alshon Jeffrey holds. Uh, Jalen Rieger is a, is a rookie. Greg Ward is unproven. I think they're really going to have a major emphasis on wanting to get Miles Sanders you know, really heavily involved and make him one of the breakout running backs for this year. Uh, Boston Scott is there. And you look at the two tight ends, Zach and Dallas Goddard, who should be the two biggest options in this offense for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, there are two things that I want to uh, touch on: two breaking news bits.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> number one, uh, it is official that the Baltimore Ravens are hosting Des Bryant for a workout slash visit. And number two, and this is the least surprising thing that I think anybody will hear. And that is AJ Green was helped off the practice field today with a fill in the blank. Adam, leg injury, hamstring. Close enough. Oh yep. my God, a hamstring hamstring issue for AJ Green. Uh, well, that is just unfortunate. It's not a surprise at this point. I know you still feel bad. Of course, of course, you do. Hundred percent. This is a guy that has struggled with injuries for the better part of the last. Uh, two seasons and you know you want to see him get potentially an opportunity with uh, with joe burrow but if aj green is not healthy and he's going to be out for a couple weeks tyler boyd stock yep goes up
0: that's right that is definitely right all right let's move on to tier three here and tier three is a bit more interesting uh there are 10 players in uh tier three right so we have matthew stafford Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Daniel Jones, Ben Roethlisberger, Cam Newton, Jared Goff, Ryan Tannehill, Baker Mayfield, and Joe Burrow. Notice the very, very
1: nice pout on Jared Goff. That was very well done. Uh, this is
0: so this is so interesting. That's in order of how they're ranked on Fantasy Pros. So yeah, you just read that right. Daniel Jones has been is ranked higher than Big Ben and Cam
1: Newton. So there you go. I mean, I like Daniel Jones. Yeah. I like Daniel Jones a lot. And I mean, if you had to if I had to pick a sleeper, breakout, and bust for this group, I would say I would say that my bust is out of this group, I would say it's Ryan Tannehill. My breakout in this group would be Daniel Jones. And my sleeper in this group, I think, would be I'm torn between two guys. My sleeper – I'm torn between Jared Goff as a sleeper and Baker Mayfield. I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield. So I was about sleeper, to say, there is no
0: way you were about to say that Jared Goff is a sleeper.
1: Yeah, I would have gone against every moral, that I, every, every moral credence that I have ever believed in. Some um,
0: invasion of the body snatcher shit. Who stole, you, who stole <laughs> your body and replaced you with somebody else who thinks that Jared Goff is a good quarterback? <laughs>
1: Well, for fantasy, he is. I'll give him that. I'll give okay. him that. For, for fantasy, he does produce some very capable fantasy receivers. I mean, Andy Dalton did the same thing. And Andy Dalton might be one of the worst quarterbacks in the National Football League. I don't know what team he plays for, though, anymore. Uh, you might have to refresh my memory. Don't say a word, Adam. I will come over there and rip your heart out. Um, Jeez. Yeah, so my, my, my sleeper is Baker Mayfield. My breakout candidate is Daniel Jones. And my bust is Ryan Tannehill um my
0: this is interesting so my bust is i kind of agree with you with ryan Tannehill as a bust here where people are going to see his playoff run and think that he's going to be amazing and realize that really it was derrick henry that was amazing
1: i mean i can tell i can tell you right now i mean just before you go back to um your sleeper breakout bust. I'm down on all the Titans. I, I just don't want any part of them.
0: It's just not comfortable for me.
1: Yeah. Where no, it's not. It's not. Yeah. Because you don't you don't know what this team is going to offer on a week to week basis. And again, I mean to quote to quote the almighty Matthew Barry when he says you have to minimize uh to minimize risk on a week to week basis. There's no such thing as minimizing risk on a week to week basis when you're drafting a Tennessee Titan. I'm sorry, there's not. Yeah.
0: Um, my breakout pick is Baker Mayfield. I think he's going, I mean, it can be argued that he broke out quote unquote in his rookie season, but I think he's, he's going to have a bounce back year here where he's got Jarvis Landry and Odo Beckham, uh, great tight end and Austin Hooper, Kareem Hunt and Nick and uh, Nick Chubb at running back rebuilt offensive line. The pieces are there for Baker Mayfield to have a really good 2020. And if he can – and with a competent, hopefully, coaching staff, uh, hopefully. I can't believe Freddie Kitch. you know he's the tight end coach for the Giants, Freddie Kitchens?
1: Yes, he is. Yep. Yes, he is. I don't know if you saw the, um, the video the Giants released about their, um, their health and safety protocols, mm-hmm. but there was a glimpse in that video of Jason Garrett sitting in his office, and I wanted to throw up. I
0: was uh, – when I was working at FAN yesterday – Last night, I there was one of the TVs in the office was tuned to SNY, and they had or MSG Plus actually, and it had and Jason Garrett was being interviewed with the with the Giants. I was like, "Is that Jason Garrett? Oh my god! I forgot that Jason Garrett is on the, is working for the Giants now. That's so weird."
1: Adam. Yeah. So help me, God, if there is a camera that pans to Jason Garrett clapping when the cowboys play the giants this season. So help me god. Okay. I will put my fist through the TV. I will take him by his whole body and kick the shit out of him. Okay. That okay. man, that man should be arrested on criminal charges for robbery from the Dallas Cowboys. He robbed 10 years of potential Super Bowl teams. 10 years
0: I don't know how many of those teams were potential Super Bowl teams.
1: 2016 2016, yes. 2014 2014 yes. that's it. the, the, the two ones on the top of my head that I could say right away was 2014, 2016. Yeah, because
0: over the over that a lot of that time it was a lot of losing in week 17.
1: No, over that time, Adam it was a lot of eight and eight that too. The but, gold, uh, the golden benchmark for the Dallas Cowboys, eight and eight, eight and eight, eight and eight, eight and eight. But anyway,
0: so yes, I think that Baker Mayfield is going to be my breakout candidate uh, for this year, and then my sl- my sleeper. Come on, he's not, uh, you know you know you want to say it, you know you want to say it. No, I don't want to say it. Come on, go ahead. I'm thinking it's a, like I really do like him. I think he's going to do well. And I hate that he's going to do well because it's going to be at the expense of my favorite football team, but it's Cam Newton. Ooh. No, it's Ooh. not Tom Brady. What are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to go and say Tom Brady. What are you fucking up? What are you on drugs? God. Come on. No. You, can say
1: it. you can say it with me. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Is. Is. A.
0: A. Sleeper. Cheater. You're a lost cause. I am a lost cause because I will not. I will not change my opinion. No, Cam Newton. I think is going to be is a sleeper. Where this is a guy that's coming back from a, a long injury layoff, who of course is a bounce back candidate, much like Baker Mayfield is, and going into a a interesting situation, a, a proven offensive coordinator and Josh McDaniels, uh great coaching staff with that Bill Belichick has, which is feels is, is so much pain as i'm saying these words but i i do think the Cam Newton's going to have a a good year uh with new england
1: yeah I, I like the cam newton pick a lot because i think that he's going to be given every opportunity in the world to succeed i don't see a situation where the, the patriots is going to throw jared stidham uh out there right away uh so yeah i think cam newton if you if his foot checks out and his foot continues to look good and all reports there are saying that cam newton's foot looks a-okay and that his movement has been great um his rapport with the offense has been pretty good he's learning he's learning the offense the playbook day by day and if he continues to really make positive strides in that regard then there's no reason why cam newton can potentially be a a high-end qb2 and outperform his preseason rank so i like that pick a lot of of cam newton baker mayfield he's my sl- he's my sleeper he's your, he's your breakout we both feel the same way about about baker mayfield we just feel like the weapons that are there uh there's just no reason why baker mayfield can't come out and have a really spectacular spectacular year um the one thing that i want to touch on with baker mayfield um i'll just talk ryan Tannehill. it's a, it's the titans It's just the it's a crazy situation that I just want no part of. That's Ryan Tannehill. It's my analysis. You know, that's that. With Baker Mayfield, though, and some, this is something that I really did want to talk about with you, and knowing that you have him as a guy on your radar, this is particularly interesting, and something I think we can definitely talk about here. And that's Kevin Stefanski, who's the head coach for the Cleveland Browns. This is a guy that came from Minnesota. This mm-hmm. is Mike Zimmer's offensive protege. This is a guy that ran the ball, At a very, very high clip. Does that scare you when it comes to Baker Mayfield? Does it make you more intrigued about Nick Chubb? Does it make you more intrigued about Kareem Hunt, potentially? Or are you just, are you level with all of them? And Kevin Stefanski really is just, you know, he's just the coach. He's not really a guy that you're going to go and say, oh, my fantasy life really hinges on, you know, Kevin Stefanski really throwing the ball with Baker Mayfield and making him a 5,000-yard passer.
0: Yeah, well, be, it would be irresponsible of me to not consider the coach when you're, th- when you're talking about players, the coaching situation. It would be irresponsible for me to not consider that. Um, it definitely depends on who's running the ball as well because Baker Mayfield does have a, a pedigree to, to uh, scramble, and it's interesting cuz you see a lot of parallels between the uh, the Vikings and the um and the Browns as far as, aside from the quarterbacks Kirk Cousins and Baker Mayfield are two completely different quarterbacks yes but, they are um as far as the team setup where they have a uh, good receivers a uh, good tight ends a good running back core i think that Kevin Stefanski can like realizes that he doesn't have to run the ball as much, where he had when he has Baker Mayfield. I think over time, if Baker Mayfield has proven that he can, t- they can be reliable, can cut down on the turnovers that was- that plagued him last year. I think Kevin's Kevin Stefanski can give him more autonomy with uh, throwing the football, uh, like get him to throw the, f- the uh, football more. But maybe earlier in the season, you might see some like alarms where it's like, well, the, the Browns are running a lot. I don't understand what's going on there. But uh, I think la- maybe later in the year when uh, the Browns and Kevin Stavansky get more um, acclimated with each other, then you might see Baker Mayfield uh, throwing the ball a bit more. But maybe I'm overreacting to it because it could. we don't really know what's going to go on with the Browns until we see it in action.
1: No, I don't. I don't think so at all. I don't think it's an overreaction uh, one bit, honestly. Um, I mean, one more guy that I really want to talk about uh, in this in this group before we move on to tier four and then wrap this up was well, is Matthew Stafford, and I think he's a, he's a guy that for me I I almost put him as my sleeper, just because I mean this is a guy when he's healthy, he's a forty five hundred yard passer, and you could make a case that this is the best group of. Weapons, pass catchers, whatever you want to call it, that he's had while being in Detroit. And, yeah, I know he had Calvin Johnson. I understand that. But outside of Calvin Johnson, there really wasn't much. Now you're talking Matthew Stafford. He's got DeAndre Swift. He's got Kareem Johnson. Kenny Galladay, who is really – a lot of people really, 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 really like, myself included. Marvin Jones, who I absolutely really like for, for this season. and TJ Hawkinson as well so you're talking about a really a really complete group of pass catchers and guys that Matthew Stafford should have plenty of options to uh, to throw the ball to and I mean honestly the only question with him for me is health if Matthew Stafford plays 16 games this is a guy that should be a lock for 4,500 yard passing no question about it
0: yeah definitely I wholeheartedly agree I think people are going to sleep on Matt Stafford because he was injured last year You know, recency bias is a a powerful thing in fantasy. Yes, it is. Where people are like, well, I don't remember Matthew Stafford doing much last year, so I'm not going to draft him this year. But then you realize that the guy threw for for 5,000 yards one season, and you're like, well, you know, actually, he's a pretty good fantasy quarterback. Yeah. He throws the ball a lot. He's a gunslinger. And that is so valuable in fantasy when you're looking at quarterbacks. Yes, it is. Okay, so Tier 4 is from 21 to 33, and it is Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, Gardner Minshew, Philip Rivers, Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, Derek Carr, Tyrod Taylor, Dwayne Haskins, Nick Foles, Tua Tagovailoa, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. This is the quarterback controversy tier, apparently. Yes, it is uh actually for those that are wondering uh Nick Foles is at 31 here and Mitch Trubisky is at the top of tier 5 at 34 and then Tua Tagovailoa and Fitzpatrick are right next to each other and then uh Marcus Mariota is in tier 5 as well so yeah this is this tier is interesting in the sense that at the bottom of it you have so many questions Basically from, I'd say, 26 or 27 on. Actually, now from Derek Carr, from Tyra Taylor on, you have questions as, as far as like starting quarterbacks and performance and things of that nature. Uh, starting off with the bust here. I want to talk about recency bias. Jimmy Garoppolo: recency bias is going to really uh, contribute to Jimmy G getting overdrafted in leagues. I think that people are going to see that he was in the Super Bowl and not realize how he got there and draft him based on that. And, yeah. It's, it's a fair point. It's a it, fair point. It's, I mean, e-
1: it's an easy pick, but it's, it's true. <laughs> he, he's not my bust, though. I'm, I'm going to spare Jimmy Garoppolo. He, he, he's not my bust. Uh, my bust here is, is going to be Kirk Cousins. Just yep. because just because I think Minnesota is gonna really want to run the ball a whole lot. And Kirk Cousins, his touchdown numbers since joining the Vikings have been relatively unimpressive. That's just because of philosophy. It's nothing to do with the player, it just has everything to do with the system that he's playing in. And the system that he is playing in wants to run the ball with Dalvin Cook, and they're gonna go ahead and they're gonna do that. So really it just comes down to I'm just not comfortable with the game to game. I guess you can say, unpredictability of, of Kirk Cousins, which kind of scares me away from him, and that's just why I'm going to call him uh, the bust of this tier. Was that last year that he threw for like five to, He threw like five times in a game? Ten times. It was week one versus Atlanta. It's Ten like times, 98 yards passing, one touchdown. I mean, that's not even – it's not like a, a terrible stat line. He also had a rushing touchdown too. In that same game? Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, well, it's not terrible, but still, you know, it's the unpredictability of it, of the, of the Vikings off, or the unpredictability of Kirk Cousins, where you don't know how many passes he's going to be throwing on a, uh, on a week-to-week basis, where the volume thing that's so important in fantasy, you just don't have that consistent volume with Kirk Cousins. Um, as far as my breakout is concerned, I am picking Drew Locke for my breakout. Drew Locke is another guy that's going in with a multitude of good options. He's got Phil Lindsay and Melvin Gordon in the backfield, uh, Corleton Sutton and Jerry Judy at wide receiver, and uh, Noah Fant at tight end. And the pieces are there for Drew Locke. We talked about this in our AFC West episode, where the pieces are there for Drew Locke and the opportunity is there for him to take the next step in, in year two. He looked pretty good when he came in for Joe Flacco in the middle of uh, last season and going by what happened last year, there's no reason to think that drew lock won't build on uh, what he did with the Broncos.
1: I mean, I agree with everything you just said with drew lock. He was, he was my breakout as well. So, I mean, there's no real need to, uh, to go in any further on drew lock. I mean, he's got all the talent there with him. Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, uh, KJ Hamler, Noah Fant, so, yeah, he's he's got he's got a crew out there in uh in Denver. So, I mean, he's my break he's my breakout as well. So, no need to go any further than that one. And then my sleeper is one Sam Sam Donald. I knew that was coming. Yes.
0: Finally. Uh yeah, Sam is my sleeper in the sense that uh the the receiver death, depth isn't there at the moment, but I think that Another year with consistency in the offense. Uh, Same offensive coordinator, same offensive system going into year three. This is a huge year for Sam Darnold as far as contracts are concerned because this is like, you know, this is after this year, the Jets are going to have to decide what they're doing with the fifth-year option for him. So he's got to perform. He's got a rebuilt offensive line courtesy of Joe Douglas. Uh, Chris Herndon is coming back to round out the uh, tight end room. Now he has Chris Herndon and Ryan Griffin. Uh, The receivers are definitely mediocre. Don't get me wrong. Jamison Crowder is really the only one that's worth taking a look at, but uh, Sam Donald on his day is a really good quarterback. And if he can put together, if he can string together consistently good performances, uh, he can be, he can be solid. And especially if, Hopefully, Adam Gaze knows how to utilize Le'Veon Bell as far as either running the ball and uh, passing out of the backfield.
1: You're asking for a lot there, Adam. I I understand. I'm aware. (laughs) Um, See, I thought about putting Sam Darnold as my sleeper, but at the end of the day, I mean, all the concerns you highlighted about the lack of uh, weapons, especially in the uh, passing game, especially with his wide receivers, you know, pretty much dropping like flies right now. Uh, definitely shied me away from Sam Donald a little bit. Um, my guy is Gardner Minshew. He he is my sleeper. I think that the Jaguars are going to be absolutely horrific. And that's good news for Gardner Minshew in terms of his garbage time ability. DJ Chark is expected to have a pretty pretty solid year. I think that he, again, if we're talking going back to the division previews, I had him down for over 1,000 yards. I think that's pretty much what he's going to do again. Even Gardner Minshew loves throwing the ball at DJ Chark. And, and Jay Gruden is going to give Gardner Minshew, I believe, every opportunity in the world to try and show that he is the guy because if the Jaguars are truly going to stink this year. You're talking the Jaguars being in the running to take a Justin Fields or a Trevor Lawrence in the draft, and Gardner Minshew is back to being a backup quarterback. And Gardner Minshew is going to want to show the Jaguars that he can potentially be the franchise guy And this is going to be his year to show it. He's going to have a 16-game tryout to be potentially the franchise quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And hopefully he gets an opportunity to pull up and show that he can be that guy. And I like him a whole lot this year, especially if you're going off of the fact that the Jaguars are going to be down, they are not going to be winning a lot of games, and they're going to want to throw the ball. And Gardner Minshew is, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if Gardner Minshew is a 4,000-yard passer this year, would not surprise me one bit just because of how much they are going to be throwing.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're definitely right. I agree with everything that you say. All right, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes under the Basement Talk Podcast umbrella on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Please leave us a five-star review and a comment on what you thought of this episode. And what your rankings are for quarterbacks, where your tiers are for uh, your quarterbacks personally. And later in this week, next episode, we will be talking about the running backs. is a two parter where we will be talking about the running backs. And so keep keep locked in for that because it's going to be really fun. And for my co-host Ed Birdsall, I'm Adam Kaster, and we will talk to you next time on the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Bye bye.